0: You people just don't do much that needs announced. We don't have many announcements ever, it seems. Maybe that's a good thing, I don't know. Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy. We're still trying to finish up the feast series here. We started into Deuteronomy 28 last time I spoke two weeks ago, and uh, only got down through verse 14, which is, the blessings part of this, that if people will obey God and serve Him, that He will bless us, and He says if we hearken diligently, He will bless us, and then He enumerates the way uh, and the ways that He would do that, uh, would have peace and safety and, and good childbirth and happy families and, and plenty. Of everything that we might need, <coughs> that we would be if we would be a holy people, he's sworn that our na- our enemies would be afraid of us, and so on and so forth, and he summarizes it a bit in verse eleven the eternal shall make you plenteous in goods and the fruit of your body, the fruit of your cattle, the fruit of the, your ground, in the land which the eternal swore to your fathers to give you so if this is addressing us today as israelites then we are in the land that God swore to give to our fathers, and He has blessed us accordingly. Now, when we came into this land beginning in the early 1600s, we were returned to it, the land that had been given before, and we were allowed to come back. There were people who did want to obey God. They kept the Sabbath, they kept the holy days. Christmas was illegal. Among some of them, they were quickly shouted down, though. The Sabbath went away. The Holy Days went away, except perhaps with a few individuals here and there. And Christmas and Easter were instituted as our national holidays. And then it just simply gone downhill from there. Even the government that we put in was patterned after uh, Babylon and Babel and the Masons and so on and so forth. We know that story. So we've been being ruled over by a Babylonian and or Egyptian government. Apart from the states, the company of nations that we are is Ephraim. And we have departed more and more and more from God. He has been very, very patient over hundreds of years. As we become less and less Christian and more and more pagan, God has held off. But now it appears that as a result of our disobedience to His laws and our attention to Him and us worshiping and following other gods, which our nation is doing, even those who claim to be Christian, worship they know not what, worshiping a false Christ. And there are very, very few who understand even who the true God is, much less doing what He says. So we find ourselves in a nation... It is quickly coming into disarray, and all these blessings that we have had, and I think you have to look at America and Canada, this continent where the Israelites are holding sway, has been blessed with incredible natural resources, incredible weather, incredible farmland, and on and on it goes. We have had every blessing you could imagine, and we have turned it to greed, to lying, cheating, stealing. We've turned it so that we have become, instead of the most blessed nation, the most prosperous nation, now we're the most indebted nation, and we're a third world country in the making, not yet even realizing it. And that's what God says. If we disobeyed Him and did not diligently follow Him, we would go into trouble. And one of the parting shots is, that instead of lenders, we would become borrowers. And over the last 20 to 30 years, we have gone from the greatest lending nation to the greatest borrowing nation on earth, bar none. And he says he will make us the head and not the tail if we would obey. And we would not be beneath, but we would be on top if we would hearken to the commandments of the Eternal, our God, and in verse 13 which I command you this day to observe and to do them. And you shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Now, we've been reading in the book of Deuteronomy various statutes of God which are a summary of, A, His Ten Commandments and those laws attendant to them that explain them and underscore them. So Moses comes down to the point, he's ready to tie this discourse up with a pronouncement of blessing through diligent obedience to Almighty God, or what will come if we do not. Now what we see from verse 14 down, beginning in verse 15, is quite grim, and we are already In the edges of and have started through some of the things that he says in verse 15, which shows that in God's view, we are no longer a Christian nation, that in his view, we are departed, disobedient, rebellious children as a nation. And we've already seen the church scattered because even spiritual Israel became rebels from God, putting our idolatry, our lusts, our desires, our selfishness ahead of God. So even blew the church apart as he is beginning to blow the nation apart. Now we have experienced in our lives in the last few years the decimation of what had been a pretty strong body, a worldwide body. And our friends and relatives have spiritually died and become very sick and are in the process of dying spiritually. And I'm talking about my own friends, my own relatives, my own classmates, uh, the ministry that I knew and went to college with, played ball with, ate with, and they're gone, most of them. Or if they're not gone, they're going. And it's sad to have seen these curses come on the church on a spiritual level. And it is going to be even more dramatic when we see what we're about to read coming on the physical nation because it will be all around us and include us if we do not diligently hearken to God. If we do, we have nothing to worry about because we have the first 14 verses to trust in, to believe in, to understand and know the promises of God of blessing. And He is going to bless a remnant of spiritual Israel, and He will even bring a 10% remnant of physical Israel through what is about to happen. So God will keep His promises. We have the opportunity here to diligently hearken, to listen to Moses, to listen to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, for that matter, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Into what God says, it'd be protected. But let's go into this. I could talk for a while here and cozy up to it, but it wouldn't do any good, because when you start into it, it gets pretty grim anyway. So we might as well just plunge in. Verse 15, Deuteronomy 28. It shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Eternal, your God, to observe, to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, is this just ancient history about a people that died out almost thousands of years ago, and it does not apply today? Most people put it in that category. I want to quickly thumb back to chapter 4 of this book. We read this, but I want to mention it again in this context. Deuteronomy 4, verse 30. He talks about the troubles, and he says, When you are in tribulation, in verse 30, and all these things are come upon you, even in the latter days, if you turn to the eternal your God and shall be obedient to his voice, For He is a merciful God. He will not forsake you, neither destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which He swore to them. So here we are today, living in the land that God swore to our fathers. We have to be. Because if we're not, these scriptures are not true. We are certainly in the latter days. And we know and have proved that we are the people of Israel and spiritual Israel. He says, For now ask of the days that are past which were before you. Think about what has gone on in the past when you read this in the latter days which were before you since the day that God created man upon the earth. And ask... From the one side of heaven to the other, whether there has been any such thing as this great thing is, or has been heard like it. He says, when you read these things in the latter days, I want you to think back all the way to Adam and Eve, and come forward through the history of the Bible, and see if there has been anything greater than that which is about to overtake you in the latter day. God calls on us to look at all of history and understand that there's been no bigger event than that which we are about to witness. As Jeremiah says, the deliverance of those who will obey will be greater than the Red Sea. And the destruction that comes is going to ultimately be so bad that no flesh will be saved on earth except God saves the very elect. That's what we're talking about here at the end time. We are the first people who have been able to look back to Genesis 1 and forward to the climax at the end of the age. Everyone else has only been able to consider history up, to them, but we are the last. We have the whole 6,000 years to look back on, and we are the ones that all the prophecies ultimately are written about, the final chapter of man's rule over man before Christ comes to rule the whole earth. So we are in a position that no other people has ever been. And the blessings can be greater for us than for any people that has ever been. Chapter 8, verse 16, echoes the same thing. doesn't put it quite as succinctly, but it says, Well, let's see. What did I say? Age 16? Yeah, 816. Speaking of God, who led them through that terrible wilderness and drought and no water and so on, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you and that he might prove you to do you good at your latter end. Now, those particular people Moses was speaking to had gone through 40 years of desert and wilderness, and they were about to go into a promised land. And he wanted to do them good at their latter end. But they rebelled very shortly and went back to idolatry. So they went into captivity. God brought them out of it, finally, and he brought us here. And we are the descendants of those people. And we are in the latter days, and this is the latter end. Okay? With that firmly established, let's begin in verse 15 of chapter 28. But it shall come to pass. This is not a maybe. It's not an if. It shall. If you will not hearken to the voice of the Eternal your God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes which I command you, It's not enough to be a hearer only, but a doer. Peter says that. Others say that throughout the entire Bible, really. It's one thing to give God lip service, but God says here, hearken to His voice and do, keep His commandments. And His statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. They'll run you down. They'll find you. You can't escape. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. In other words, wherever you are, city or country, there's no escaping what God is going to bring on the nations of Israel here in the end time. Now, as we read through here, you can answer the question about whether this truly applies to today or not. What we read in chapter 4, verse 30 and eight sixteen, and we read in the other prophecies, a lot of people disallow. That was for a bygone era. Well, let's see as we go through here if we are not seeing some of this now. And if we are seeing this now, then does it make sense and become logical that it was speaking of now? I mean, what you see, what you experience, should be the proof of the pudding. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. And what is this nation beginning to eat? Okay? Are we beginning to be cursed in the city and in the field? Are we losing jobs? Are we depending more and more upon the government? Do we have plagues of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, fibromyalgia, skin problems, you name it? I was just reading this morning about the harvest of corn and soybeans in this country. Because of weather and various circumstances, they're having the biggest corn and soy crop I guess on record. But because of bad weather, they are late in the harvest and some of the corn is becoming mildewed and they may lose a great deal of the biggest crop they've ever had. So even though the ground can still produce, if those things are lost because of curses in the weather and blight and mildew and so on and so forth, and people can't eat it. You have problems. It is not that God did not give us a land that is still capable, even though we've spoiled it and misused it. But it all goes for nothing. And it's going to get worse. Curse shall be your basket and your store. Ground might have produced it, as I just recounted, but the basket is empty. What good did it do to grow it if you can't harvest it and use it? Now, this is not total yet, but do we see the handwriting on the wall? And even if it's there, if you don't have a job to produce money to go buy it, don't you have a curse upon you? Doesn't good, do any good to produce it if you can't eat it for whatever reason. Curse shall be your basket in your store. We used to have stored up elevators full all across the country of grains. I've seen up in Wisconsin rows and rows and rows of warehouses full of cheese, full of dairy products that they, the government had saved and was storing. Those elevators... And many of those warehouses now are sitting empty. We've used up our reserve. It's gone. Now, there's still some, I'm sure, but it's not what it was 20 years ago. It's disappearing. Curse shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of your cattle and the flocks of your sheep. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. All through life, when you're in the house, out of the house, in the outhouse, wherever you are. The eternal shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do. Now, up till this point, whatever Americans have set their hand to do, they did, didn't they? Didn't we, through energy, through thought, create an American dream that everyone envied? Because we produced something on the land that God had given us, which was a productive land. We made the nation most envied in the history of the earth, right here. even Rome did not have the wealth and prosperity that we have. You don't live like Roman citizens. You live like Roman senators. We've had all we could eat, all we could wear, all the chariots that we could drive, and on and on. All the planes we could fly. We've had anything we wanted We've produced it. It was part of the blessing that came. Not because of our obedience, but because of Abraham's. And he gave us these things because of his covenant with Abraham. And now we're getting where we're cursed when we come in and cursed when we go out. We earn wages and put them in pockets with holes so that your check just disappears. It's gone if you get one. They say now unemployment is realistically up over 20%, 30% in California. That's scary. Verse 20, the eternal shall send upon you cursing. We're cursed by the whole world. We're hated by the whole world. Vexation. Vexation. That is, nerves that are shot, troubled, difficult, worried. We're not living in peace and security and plenty anymore. We are getting increasingly nervous and worried, or vexed, to use a bigger word, troubled in spirit. People are worrying across this land now about the government, about jobs, about a lot of things that they didn't worry about much 20 or 30 years ago. And rebuke. We have nations right now who are rebuking us over our economic plans and purposes. China just said something the day before yesterday about unpegging the yuan from the American dollar and leaving the dollar to fall into nothingness. He'll set his hand against you until you be destroyed and until you perish quickly because of your wickedness of your doings whereby you have forsaken me. So God says, here's the cause and here's the effect. If you don't diligently hearken and obey me, these things are going to come, and it's going to be because of disobedience. Now are we a blessed Christian nation at this point? How could anybody think so? And yet some still do. The eternal shall make you make the pestilence cleave to you until he have consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. We have more food, more opportunity than any people on earth has ever had. And yet we are followed by pestilence, by diseases. We're unhealthy and sick. Till He have consumed you from off the land. The Eternal shall smite you with a consumption, and with a fever, and with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning all kinds of pain and discomfort from various diseases. And with the sword, so the sword will come as well, so famine and pestilence, disease, and the sword, and with blasting and with mildew, and they shall pursue you until you perish. He talks about captivity a little further down. You read Ezekiel 5, and it says, "...a third will die of famine and pestilence, a third will die by the sword." A third will be taken into captivity, and most of those will die once they're chased down as slaves. And Ezekiel clearly is written for the end time. So he's just echoing there and reinforcing what Moses told ancient Israel that applies to modern Israel. And the heaven that is over you shall be brass, and the earth that is under you shall be iron. The sun will shine brightly. It talks about eventually how it's seven times hotter in the book of Revelation. And the ground will be like iron. You don't grow much with iron. It just will be unproductive is what he's saying. And there are even chemical fertilizers now that are creating a condition in our soil so that it's becoming hard. It's not soft and pliant and loamy as uh, topsoil should be, but it's becoming hardened by chemicals. So there are some physical applications to this that aren't just analogies, and we've done it to ourselves. Uh, The Eternal shall make the rain of your land powder and dust, so drought will come. Rain will not fall in due season. You don't want rain in harvest time. You want it after planting. From heaven shall it come down on you until you are destroyed. The Eternal shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. You might go out to fight your enemies, go in one direction, united, together, thinking we're going to stand, and then you're going to be fleeing every direction you can go to get away from them. That isn't the way it's been historically in this nation, has it? Our enemies have fled before us. We've had the power, the strength, the might, the Air Force, the Navy, whatever, and they've been afraid of us. But God says, I'll turn it around and you will become afraid of them. You will run. And shall be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth. So there's your captivity there. Will run in terror, be captured, and taken all over the earth as slaves. And your carcass shall be meat to all fowls of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and no man shall scare them away. You'll die and you'll fall and just be eaten there by the birds and beasts, because no one will care. No one will bother to bury. <coughs> the Eternal will smite you with the botch of Egypt, and with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch, whereof you cannot be healed. All their drugs, all their medicines, all that stuff, and we can't be healed. Are we already getting there? Do they heal cancer? Do they heal heart problems? Do they heal diabetes? No. You live with those things and die with those things. They might can control some of it some of the time, but they can't heal those things. They can't fix them. We're a sick nation. Overweight and underfed or undernourished. Eat and eat and eat because the body craves vitamins and minerals that it needs And it isn't in the food, so you crave more and more of it. And that's one of the reasons that we're becoming what we are is an obese nation. It's not always the amount you eat, but your body craves more and more, and it's not getting it out of donuts and pop and junk. And even the vegetables and the fruits don't have in them what they used to have. Sad to see, but... That's the way it is. You can't be healed. The Eternal shall smite you with madness and blindness and fear of heart. Well, we're blind as a nation in what we're doing. And America is blinded at what is happening to it may not all be physical blindness of the eyes, but blindness of where we're going and our purpose and our reason for living. And you shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness. We'll have no idea where we're going or how to get there. And you shall not prosper in your ways. America has always prospered in what we've done, but now we're not. We've sent our prosperity overseas. We've sent our jobs overseas, our industry We've shipped everything away. Does this fit or what? Do we know where we're going as a nation anymore? Do we have a great goal and a purpose? Or are we just wandering about, trying to make enough money to survive? You shall be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save you. Who is going to come to the rescue of America? You got anybody got any bright ideas on that? What nation is going to come save us? You shall betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. We are immoral as a nation. You can't trust or have faith in anyone. You shall build a house and shall not dwell therein. Are we getting foreclosed upon? Are our mansions going away? Is it getting worse? You shall plant a vineyard and shall not gather the grapes thereof. It's just going to get worse and worse. Your ox shall be slain before your eyes. Somebody else will kill our animals and eat them. Take them away. You shall not eat thereof. Your ass shall be violently taken away from before your face. That was symbolic of a way to get around and a way to plow and to produce. That will be taken away. And shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have none to rescue them. They're going to come across this country and take away everything we have, like locusts. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. All the young people in this nation who are able and fit to work as slaves are going to be hauled away. A lot of old people are going to be killed because they are not able to produce. But the young ones are going to be taken into slavery, and they'll be used and abused in every way that you can imagine. Your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. If you're still alive and your children are in captivity and in slavery, you'll pine and your heart will ache for them. But you can't do anything about it. And there shall be no might in your hand, no power. You can't do anything. It just happens and can't be stopped. The fruit of your land and all your labors shall a nation which you know not eat up, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed always. Our wealth is already flowing Overseas. Our food is flowing overseas. And it will all be gone. So that you shall be mad for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. It'll drive us crazy when we see everything that we've worked for, everything we've produced as a nation, just simply disappear. Don't we already do that? When we look and see that our wealth is disappearing overseas, we're already in this. It isn't complete by any means, but we're in the process. The proof of the pudding is in the eating, and we're eating already of what God says here. We just haven't eaten it all yet, but it's coming. Verse 35, the Eternal shall smite you in the knees and in the legs with a sore box that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. We've read about Job. We've read about the boils that he had from head to foot where he couldn't get comfortable no matter what he did. That's coming on this nation. The Eternal shall bring you and your king which you shall set over you unto a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And there shall you serve other gods, wood and stone. Have we set a king over us now who is taking away our freedoms, who is taking over our businesses, which is fascism, is making us more of a welfare state, turning us into communism, who has Marxist background? who is a Muslim, who grew up a Muslim, who follows a Muslim faith, whom the whole world reveres but Americans are beginning to understand is not here in our best interests, who is over there right now telling the Chinese, we want you to be a great nation. We will not fight you. We're letting you take over. And we are. The king which you shall set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. It says here that in the end time, we will set a leader over us who will give us away to other nations. Now that is echoed in Jeremiah 50 or 51, where it says that our leader will shake hands with our enemies. Make a deal. Shake hands. Over our destruction. So there will be a leader in the end time. Maybe I won't say a name. But this is a prophecy about now. And he's going to turn us over, whoever he may be, to a nation we have not known. And be taken there in captivity and serve other gods of wood and stone. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the eternal shall lead you. Oh, all those Americans who thought they were so great. Dung my chicken coop. Take care of my pigs. Plant my garden. Wipe my toilet. And it will not be done with wages. It will not be done with blessing. It will be done as a cursing. That's the way it's going to be. Everybody will laugh at us. It will become a byword. Those Americans that thought they were so great, look at them now. You shall carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but little in. For the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Now these are, by a matter of degrees, he keeps going over some of the same thing. It'll get worse and worse and worse, and then you go into captivity, and then you can't do any of these things. But he keeps going back over the material of how it will get worse and worse. You shall have olive trees throughout all your coasts, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil. For your olive shall cast his fruit. Olive trees were a symbol of wealth. You shall beget sons and daughters, but you shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Children being born in this nation today are going into captivity. Kids that are going to school today, especially, will be going into captivity. If they're too young, they'll be dashed into the wall. If they're too old, they'll be killed. If they're of an age that they can be productive, then they'll be taken into captivity. And all the trees and fruit of your land shall the locust consume. The stranger that is within, within you shall get up above you very high, and you shall come down very low. Is our nation being flooded with strangers today? The black population is no longer the biggest minority. The Mexican population is the biggest minority in our nation. And they're flooding across the borders by the thousands and tens of thousands as we speak today. And no one is stopping them. They make a little show of it, haul a few back over the border now and then, and then they, of course, come back. But they're taking over. And it's not just the Mexicans, the Chinese, the Indians. Have you ever tried to stay in a motel lately? How many can you walk in that you don't smell curry when you walk in the front door? The Indians from India are taking over. And the Pakistanis, Pakis. The whole motel and hotel system in America today. And it's not just the little moms and pops now, it's the bigger ones. I was talking to a lady where I stayed recently in Kansas. She was the only white owner of a motel left in the town. And she is under pressure and heavy competition. The reason is that the American government loans to these Indians and Pockies money to buy the motels at very low interest rates, and then they suspend the taxes and make them almost nothing that they have to pay for so many years so that they can succeed and the way these people use the system is she said their motels right there in that little Kansas town the you know the breadbasket of America who sell the motel when the when the years that they have almost no taxes come up they sell it to one of their relatives In the family. So it starts over again. They don't have to pay taxes. As he said, there was one motel there that had already been sold twice that way. So it's almost perpetual that they don't have to pay taxes. How do you compete? They're taking over. The stranger in the land is rising high above us. Asians are coming in in droves. And for the Asians that we don't bring here, We ship the jobs to them over there. Have you gotten online on the phone with anybody about your computer or your internet or your telephone or your whatever lately? Hi, my name is Charles. Or I talked to one the other day whose name was Patricia. They take American names, but they haven't got the accent yet. And they're sitting in India. The stranger that's within you shall get up above you very high and you shall come down very low. Americans with PhDs and master's degrees, engineers, are flipping hamburgers at McDonald's and Burger King. Out of work. Many of them. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. As I already said, we've gone from the greatest creditor nation to the greatest debtor nation in about three decades. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. The only thing keeping us up right now is Chinese and Japanese and Germans and others buying U.S. treasury debt. To keep us floating. And we have gotten so deeply in debt, there is no getting out of it. Is this current or not? Yeah, it's here. It's just going to get a whole lot worse. Day by day, week by week, and month by month. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and shall pursue you and overtake you till you be destroyed. So it's just going to keep coming. Wave after wave after wave. Until we're destroyed. Worse and worse and worse. Because you hearken not to the voice of the Eternal your God to keep His commandments and His statutes which He commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and for a wonder and upon your seed forever. Not coming out of it. Now it happened to them as a sign and a wonder for us to look back on, he says, from Genesis down to today. And it has not been lifted upon their seed, Abraham's seed, forever. So God, Moses is telling these people, this is a cycle that will be repeated over and over again when Israel disobeys God. So what has happened in the past has come upon these people and their seed, us, forever. Forever. As long as man's and Satan's world exists, it has been a recurring cycle of blessing and cursing, of obedience and disobedience. And we have disobeyed as a nation, and now the cursing has come upon us. And it's getting worse day by day until we will be destroyed. Verse 47, because you serve not the eternal your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. We quit being thankful to God for the blessings we've had and have departed from Him and done our own thing. And He doesn't like it a bit. Therefore shall you serve your enemies which the eternal shall send against you in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness. We won't have food to eat, water to drink, or clothes to wear. And serve as total slaves in shame, immodesty, and in one of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he have destroyed you. Now God says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. If we obey him, we have peace, we have blessings, we have all the good things. We'll just do things the way he says. But if we don't, he'll put a yoke of iron on us. That's a different kind of yoke, not pleasant. The Eternal shall bring a nation against you from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies. A nation whose tongue you shall not understand. Foreigners with different languages will come in. (coughs) And quickly. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. It won't matter, young or old, no respect. Gentile nations are going to come in with different languages, and they are going to hate us and have no respect for young or old. And he shall eat the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your land till you be destroyed, which also shall not leave you either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of your cattle or flocks of sheep, until he have destroyed you. And he shall besiege you in all your gates, until the high and fenced walls come down, wherein you trusted throughout all your land. And he shall besiege you in all your gates throughout all your land, which the eternal your God has given you. So our military might that we have trusted in up to to date will be destroyed. It'll be gone. Our own government is very quickly destroying our military. They're wearing it out and killing it off and spending what money we have left and what wealth we have left and fruitless wars around the world. Our military is being destroyed. There will be nothing to protect us when all this comes down. And our leaders will sell us out anyway to our enemies. So they're already in the process of destroying the military that we have trusted in. And it's going to get worse, verse 53. And you shall eat the fruit of your own body. It'll be such a famine, such a pestilence, so terrible, that will people will eat the fruit of their own body, their children. That is beyond our comprehension and imagination. But it's coming. You cannot imagine eating your children at this point in time. the flesh of your sons and of your daughters, which eternal your God has given you, in the siege and in the straitness, wherewith your enemies shall distress you. So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. Even the kind of person who is so tender and delicate they couldn't swat a fly this is not talking about people who have bloodlust or who like to kill. This is talking about people who are so tender and so delicate that they could not imagine such a thing. We'll begin to look at his wife at his children with an appetite and be willing to kill them and eat them so that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat. So he won't even share with his wife or the children that are yet alive. The children that he's eating. Because he has nothing left him in the siege and in the straitness wherewith your enemies shall distress you and all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you which would not adventure to set sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. The most tender kind of person who has no malice, who is so tender, so gentle, so mild, her eyes shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom. She'll look at her husband and say, think I want to eat his arm. I'll cook his leg up for dinner. And toward her son and toward her daughter. And toward her young one that comes out from between her feet, and toward her children which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of all things, secretly in the siege and straightness, wherewith your enemy shall distress you in your gates." She will hide, have her baby, and eat it without letting any one know she had given birth. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord your God. Does it say anything here about fearing your enemies? Doesn't Isaiah say, don't fear the conspiracy of nations that is going to come against you, but fear me? Do we spend more time worrying about the new world order than we do thinking about God and His ways and what we need to be doing? It's coming. All we read about it won't help us in knowing that unless we do the things we need to do to serve our God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. That's the bottom line. I'm not saying don't read about any of it, but don't become obsessed by it. Don't become to the point that that's what you look at instead of to God. It's a very important thing for us to understand. Fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord your God. The people of this nation that you see going in and out of Albertsons and Walmart and all the malls and shops in town are very soon going to be eating their own children. And the only way you can escape that is to obey God. That's the bottom line. Now you can dilly and dally out there with the world if you want. And you can sit on the fence. And you can have part of your heart with God and part of your heart with this world. And that's not enough. Half-hearted, God blows out of his mouth. He's looking for the wholehearted. For those who will serve him with all their heart, mind, body, and soul. They are the ones he will protect and use as a witness against this world. It's hard to know what true wholeheartedness really is. We have to work at it. None of us are there, it's something that's elusive. It's something some days you may be pretty strong and other days you may be somewhat weak. We're human. God takes into account. He sent Christ here to be tempted in all points like as we are. So that he as a merciful and loving high priest might have compassion and mercy upon us who are not by any means yet perfect. So I don't mean to discourage us here, but God wants us to be warned here so that we're headed in the right direction, doing the right things, and getting our hearts aligned properly. Will we be perfectly there? I doubt it. But, will His mercy and compassion make up the difference if He sees us really working hard at doing what He wants us to do. That's the key. Paul, the apostle, said he did things he didn't want to do, and the things he wanted to do, he didn't do. And we're all in that boat. He said, "Oh wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of sin and death? And he said, only his Savior could. So he had... Fights with his emotions, his feelings, his body, his mind. But he said we might be beset and troubled and have problems on every side, and yet we will not be discouraged, we will not be distressed, that we'll keep looking to God who can save us. God is looking for the humble, meek, contrite heart and spirit who will serve Him and not rebel against Him, and seek to follow Him with all their heart. And those are the ones that He will look to. Not perfect, but headed the right direction, and not compromising, and overcoming compromising. To Him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. And many attendant promises there in Revelation 2 and 3. It's the direction we're going that counts. Let's not be discouraged here. Let's fear the glorious name of the Eternal, our God, and be protected from all this. It's horrible. And it's coming. Then the Eternal will make your plagues terrible, and the plagues of your seed, even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses of long continuance. So it's not over and done in a day, but it's something that continues for a period of time. Moreover, He will bring upon you all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they shall cleave to you. Also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, then the will the eternal bring upon you until you be destroyed. So there were the plagues of Egypt. There were diseases. There were plagues of leprosy and various things that are mentioned that Israel had to deal with. But here he's talking about bringing things upon us that they didn't hear of and that aren't even in the book. Cancer. All kinds of heart disease and diabetes. Things that are modern diseases. Not ancient diseases. Modern stuff. Not the plague. Not leprosy. Things that we are dying of Today. One-third of Americans, it is already projected, will have cancer before he dies. One-third will have heart disease. I don't know what the percentage of those having diabetes is, but it's rising very rapidly in our nation as a plague today. Modern diseases of refined, doctored foods and chemicals that we have brought upon ourselves unheard of in the past. Now they're here, and they are a plague. There is no one in this room that does not know someone who has or has died of cancer. And maybe relatives that have it right now, and friends. There's no one here that doesn't know people probably close to them one way or another, who have died of heart attacks and heart disease. There's no one here that doesn't know several people that have diabetes. It's the curse of doing away with the beautiful things God gave us to eat, the way we should be living. And we brought it upon ourselves by enjoying our Pepsi and our Coke and our candy bars and our potato chips and the junk foods that we eat. And you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Eternal, your God. Total cause and effect laid out here. It shall come to pass that as the Eternal rejoiced over you to do you good... And to multiply you, like we did as this nation was built, so the Eternal will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked from off the land where you go to possess it. We're going to be taken out of this beautiful land and become slaves overseas. And the Eternal shall scatter you among all people, from one end of the earth even to the other. And there you shall serve other gods, which which neither you nor your fathers have known, even wood and stone. It isn't just ten nations in Europe. We were way too narrow-minded 30, 40 years ago when we thought that. It says you'll scatter you among all people from one end of the earth to the other. This captivity will be a worldwide captivity by a world-ruling beast power that will include all nations, except the great whore, America, and the nations of Israel, whom they will destroy. The earth apparently is being divided into ten political sections now by those who intend to enforce their new world order upon us. Those are the ten kings. Nation, I mean worldwide, not just European. Europeans may lead it, we'll see. But it's not limited to ten nations in Europe by any means. That was a very narrow view that we took. Verse 65, And among these nations shall you find no comfort, neither shall a soul of your foot have rest, but the Eternal shall give you a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. Utter depression, utter lack. And your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of your life. You don't know whether you're going to live through the night or through the day. Fear and worry, as you see your friends and relatives die. In the morning you shall say, would God it were evening. And at evening you shall say, would God it were morning. No peace, day or night. For the fear of your heart, wherewith you shall fear, and for the sight of your eyes which you shall see. And the Eternal shall bring you into Egypt again, not the first time, again, with ships by the way whereof I spoke to you. You shall see it no more again, and there you shall be sold to your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. We're going to be so sick and so weak that even though we're slaves, we'll be in such sad shape that somebody says, I wouldn't give you ten bucks for that one. That's pretty low. Again, it's speaking of an end-time captivity. We were taken in Egypt once. Egypt is a representation of the sin of all the nations of this world. Babylon, I think, is more confined. Yes, The Babylonian system or Satan's system is all over the world, but America today is the leader of Babylon and is the seat of Babylon. But Egypt, I think, is more of a world perspective. We were, as a people, once in slavery in Egypt and walked there. Walked into Egypt, Jacob and his family, 70 souls, and became slaves for 430 years. Here he says, I will take you into Egypt again with ships. We have come across the oceans from where we were in captivity before. And we have taken this land which God gave us. And now they're going to turn us around this time and take us all over the world to all nations where we will be hated in ships. Slave ships. Going the other direction this time and sold off, and become as nothing. God will barely save out, as we see in other scriptures, 10% of physical Israel. He's going to save out 10% of spiritual Israel, and use them as a witness to the world. Will we be among them? This is a very dire warning of very dire circumstances which we are already being plunged into and which will only get worse day by day until we're literally crammed in the holes of cargo ships and taken to China and Japan and Germany and Indonesia and Brazil and Russia and wherever you want to name as slaves. The only ones who will escape that are the faithful ones who will serve God with their whole hearts. Them God promises he will save. Here's our chance. Even physical Israel and 90% of the church are going to go into captivity and martyrdom. 10% of the church only will be held out of that. That's all. All the nation will go into slavery, all those that survive. And 90% of the church will go into that, whoever survives. Only 10% of the church will be held out and protected. That's the Word of God. Now that puts us in a wonderful, wonderful opportunity, doesn't it? As grim as this is, If you, every one of you and I, will serve God with our hearts, we will be saved out of it. Pray that you be accounted worthy. None of us will be truly worthy, will we? But we will be accounted worthy by a merciful, loving, compassionate God who sees our works not the hearers only, but the doers of the word will be saved. Most of the world does not understand what is coming. They don't understand Deuteronomy. They don't know they even have any clue that it applies to today. But we already see, isn't it pretty obvious just reading through this that we're already there? It's just getting worse day by day. It's not something that's going to come. Some of you are very concerned about whether you'll have a job, whether that job, if you have one, will pay you enough to live on. You're concerned about diseases and sicknesses that are already upon us. It's getting worse day by day. And only God can save us out of it. But the beauty is, He promises He will do so if we'll do our part. So it's time for us to go to work on our hearts, our minds, our emotions, and put God first in our lives. And if so, we're going to be saved out of all this horror. Is it worth the effort? I don't want to eat my children. I don't want them eating me. I don't want to eat my wife. I don't want her to eat me. There is an alternative. Brethren, serve God. Let's help each other serve God. Let's be iron and sharpen one another and help one another because we're all weak. We all have our faults, our weaknesses, our lacks, our attitudes, our lack of dedication. Let's help one another. Let's be a team. Let's be a family. Let's be the family of God. If we don't, some of you in this room will literally cook and eat others in this room sitting right here today. That's just a fact. We need to pull together. We need to get our attitudes, our little animosities, our little grudges, our little feelings, our little bitches that we have against one another gone. We need to repent before the sun goes down. And learn to live and work in harmony and love among ourselves as brothers and sisters of God. So I'll shut up. We have work to do. And let's come through this thing in the mercy of God and His deliverance. Because it can happen that way.